The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the kind support of Autoria, Source Elements, and RSPE Audio Solutions. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast. I'm Julian Rogers, and in this week's edition, I'm joined by Mike Thorne and Mike Exeter. Two mics. We should have had Mike Thornton hosting this one and maybe made the discussion about microphones, because this I, I can see this going badly in terms of anytime anybody says Mike. So, good to see you both. Nice to see you too. And and you. Excellent. So Mike Thorne's been playing and recording and mixing music professionally for over 23 years. He works out of his studio Rimshot in the UK and is one third of production company Brick Hit House. Mike's worked as a mastering engineer for artists including the brand new heavies Katie Tunstall and Procol Harum. Mike Exeter is a Grammy-winning English sound engineer and record producer who came to prominence via his work with British rock bands Cradle of Filth, Judas Priest, Black Sabbath and more. He's also known for his work with the British guitar player Tony Iommi, being his long-standing creative studio partner. Thank you both. So anyway, we talk a lot about the usefulness of mixing using faders. There's some people who can't see the... uh, the usefulness of them, but I tend to find those people haven't used them, so mm-hmm. make it that what you will. But today's subject, we're taking that a little bit further. Um, exactly what are those faders doing? Are we talking about faders that have got audio going through them, or are we talking about faders that are controlling a fader in software? Basically, mixing consoles as opposed to control surfaces. Um, I know that uh, Mike X... How is this going to work? I can't say Mike. Call me Mike, Mike X. X. That's Mike fine. X. Mike X, because yeah. that sounds Mike very X dramatic. Mike X Mike T. <laughs> we'll see how that works. I'm bound to forget. Mike Sorry. X. Um, I, I know from conversations with you that you're a big fan of uh, of Yukon surfaces. That doesn't yes. mean that you don't use mixing consoles. Actually, I, that's not a conversation that we've had. Um, Mike oh, T. Thank God we're having it now. Well, there, there is. <laughs> two, yeah, yeah. Um, and Mike T, I know that you're a, a user of um, audio consoles, and you've got a couple, one of which I'm, I'm guessing you probably don't do much mixing th- through, but we can probably talk about that. You've got a, you've got a modern yeah. one and an old one. That's right. That's but, right. Yeah. you know, I mean, let's get, get straight into it with, a, with an actual question, so it's not just me talking the whole time. <laughs> this isn't an either-or choice, but... If it was, and you had to use one exclusively, uh, would you mix on a control surface or a mixer? Uh, Mike T. Yeah, um, these days it would be a control surface. Um, ah, don't say that. We're going to agree sorry. with each other. Well, you know, it's... Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much using... I've got a, a Decca, an old Decca valve console and um, a little sort of baby SSL here. Um, and for mixing, I pretty much use them both for summing mixers um plus the dynamics in them uh the monitor section on the ssl is great too but having um physical faders and pan pots is to me anyway is definitely more important than the 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 summing side um i can get a, a balance up on something really quick just with faders and pan pots and for me doing that kind of at the early stages of something is great because you you've you've just heard it sometimes for the first time and you just want to get stuck in you're not having to you know worry about a mouse or anything like that and i think that's such a a kind of convenience um workflow wise really so you're you're taking a, a like a hybrid approach and you're kind of doing both you're summing through your console but mixing through through software correct that's right i'm doing that but if i had to choose one over the other I actually would choose um, the control surface. So, so sorry if that's going to kind of throw <laughs> things out, but it's just how I roll. That's okay. <laughs> I asked the question, I get an answer. Uh, so, uh, Mike X, what about you? 
Um, I would always now uh, use a control surface because unfortunately nobody makes a mixer that does the or has the creative automation um, capabilities of the door that I like and um, therefore I need as much access to that on physical controls. So I like to um, I like to mix as if I'm in front of a, a big large-scale console with everything automated. And um, I can't afford the time to have a large-scale console or afford the actual console. <laughs> um, so I can't, I can't keep a mix up and keep doing recalls for clients. It's become one of those things nowadays where you have to be able to go back and do a recall, you know, and, and have it done within half an hour and then jump back onto what you were doing before. So the convenience of in-the-box mixing um, is is one massive part of it. Um, sonically, it, it's fine. It absolutely works perfectly. Um, the, uh, the argument is well over as to whether or not one is better than the other. They're different. Yeah. So, is, you, so is what you're saying that um, that the uh, the advantages outweigh the the losses? Well, I don't think there are any losses. Is what I'm saying. I think um, I think you react to what comes out of the speakers and you make changes. So if I was in front of an analog console, which I have been quite a lot recently, um, I do the moves that make the sound come out of the speakers the way I want it. If I haven't got that and I'm mixing in the box, I do exactly the same... I go for exactly the same goal, which is to make it sound how I want it to sound. And there are so many ways that the two things are very close to each other. We could have arguments for days about the benefits or or not of summing. Um, I'm not interested. My clients aren't interested. They just like what I do. So therefore, what I need to do is to be able to react really quickly and work intuitively. Um, if that means sitting on a on a control surface that's based on Huey, I'll do that. And I'll use an iPad with um, Avid control on it to, to get access to the, the functions that Huey can't do. If I have my own way, I'll be on an Avid control surface. Um, I only recently, about maybe three or four months ago, went down the S1 routes. I had a C24 before that. Um, and I've and in fact in in between changing to the s1s and um and you know from the c24 i actually did an entire album mix on an old d command and i have to say if you've ever used in anger um a work surface that is tightly integrated with the software it becomes like a digital mixing console and if you haven't used a digital mixing console you should because it really informs you about control surface design and user interface design. Um, because if you're if you're working on a live mix, you can't be afford to be paging through things. You can't be looking at screens. So you need something in front of you that reacts like the analog equivalent. So I'm kind of really opinionated about um, control surfaces. <laughs> Because it doesn't work for everybody, but like anything, there's an investment involved in in setting them up the way that you need to. Mm. And for me, I uh, I think I said it to you on a call recently. I can go for a long time um, working on my uh, S1s and dock, and I'll look over at the screen, which is off to one side, and the screensaver cut in. Now that's timed for thirty minutes, so I'm doing a hell of a lot of work 
on my mix without ever having to look at Pro Tools. That really is a vote of confidence, isn't it? So, Mike T, what do you think, hearing what uh, Mike X has just said, uh, that, um, I mean, this idea about recall and jumping between projects, this is a very common thing that I hear from lots of people. The fact that that happens so much now and it's so assumed, do you think it's because you can do that now or do you think that people didn't do that as much because you couldn't do it using the old technology? Or do, do you think it's <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point to make? And, and basically, is that why you're saying that although you've got consoles, you're favouring control surfaces? Is that why? So the answer to that is I don't know. Um, much as it pains me <laughs> to, I, I got to agree with Mike on a lot of what he said. But I actually I prefer using um, my SSL as a as a controller because I can actually I've got for example I've got a template set up where I've got all my <clears throat> general tracks and main groups will always come up in the same place and it, it's a twenty four. Um, channel console so there are 24 faders on it and i can just flip one layer and so i've basically got 48 faders and depending which layer i'm on i know exactly where something's gonna be and i've got a stream deck with with uh, soundflow running on it so i can get to all my automation modes with a physical button and i i don't have a 48 track console i'd love to have but the way i've got my sort of basic template my starting place set up it feels like i have and and that's just brilliant you know i've got all my hardware on the on inserts and i you know sort of line it up with tones and stuff and that generally stays pretty similar project to project um but yeah the the convenience of it is is just brilliant and it is the truth isn't it that budgets are not always huge um i but even with that i think i'd probably choose to do what i'm doing because i'm there, there are so many things you can do in the computer creatively uh that you just can't do in analog Perfect. Um, so circling back to I don't know. I mean, Mike X, you kind of uh, you kind of uh, hinted towards this in your previous answer. But would your answer have been different if I'd said record and mix rather than just mix in the kind of you know surface versus mix? Interesting. Question? Well, I'm again. I'm yeah. I'm quite lucky because I get to specify generally where I might be recording. Um, so my console of choice in recording would be either an SSL AWS series or a duality, both of which, because Mike has an AWS, um, both of which yep. have a Huey layer. Uh, well, it can be Huey or Mackie control, whichever. But it means that um, I can record using the console for all of the advantages that a console brings, um, which is workflow, um, routing, onboard EQ, sometimes compression, um, great mic amps. Um, it's the it's the entire thing I grew up using to record. So I've got my console, but I can record into Pro Tools, my weapon of choice, and then I can flip to the Huey layer, and I can do my mix for the control room, and I can alter my headphone mixes on sends using faders and V pots. So. I use both. If I haven't got an AWS, I'll, in the past I would take my um, Avid Artist mix with me. Now I'll just take one of my S1s. I like to have faders. It's just so, so much better having faders at, at your disposal. Same question, Mike T. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm I'm probably a little different from from Mike X because I'm sort of based out of one place most of the time. 
Um, Recording-wise, yeah, definitely a console because you're usually moving pretty quick when you're recording uh, and the workflow of, of having a bunch of mic pre's, buses, EQs, polarity buttons, you know, all that kind of stuff is great. I mean, I do use outboard um, and external preamp sometimes for things, but the idea of having to patch in sort of 20 of those just for a, you know, a regular session doesn't fill me with joy, really. I don't know, this may not be relevant, but I I still do some recording onto um, analog. I've got a, a two-inch 24-track, but the AWS console I have isn't an inline console and it's not split. So what I've taken to doing with that, it's a bit of a fudge, but it, it does work well, is, for me anyway, is um, I'll use the, uh, the analog side of the AWS um, on the input into the tape machine and I'll have the outputs of the tape machine plumbed directly into the uh, inputs of my converter. So essentially, again, I can flip between the analog layer, which is my inputs to tape, and hit hit one button on the desk, and I've got my sort of my Pro Tools layer, which is the outputs of tape. Oh, clever! And that's that's worked great. And it also means that I'm sort of not limited with headphone sends and mm. all that kind of stuff because I can do all that in the box. Nice. That, You're effectively that... turning Pro Tools into a live mixer. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Yeah, and it, it works a treat. And you know, you've still got. I mean everything that I'm doing on analog is pretty much ending up in the computer anyway, mm. you know? So it's whether you've got the, the Pro Tools session on input and you're, you know, overdubbing on tape and stuff, or whether you're sort of, you've got the Pro Tools session on record and you're just sort of hitting the tape, you, you can do either. Um, but it's, it's a really nice way of working. Achoria has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the Audio Fuse Creative Suite is included with all Audio Fuse audio interfaces. Visit Autoria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. This this leads very neatly <laughs> onto uh, onto the next question, which is. Um, What's the best system you've experienced which tries to bring uh, DAW control or mix automation to an analog mixer? I mean, you've referred to what you're using. Um, what else have both of you used? And is there anything that, if you could have it, you'd choose in terms of uh, yeah, bringing the two together? Um, I think only SSL. Oh, well, actually, maybe that's not true. I think the Neve Genesis Black does... Um, has door control built in, doesn't it? Um, have, you, think, have you been able to use one of those? Um, no, I've used one of the old Genesis um, yeah. ones, but um, the black the black is the one that has the has the fader pack built in, and I think it looks like a deliberate attempt to to make it work. All the others just seem to be shove a, an artist mix or an S three in the middle of a console, yeah. um, and I yeah. think that's a kludge. I mean, <laughs> it, you know, it's better than nothing. But um, I, I quite, I, I, I think SSL had something when they, um, when they designed this um, AWS system. I think it was brilliant, and it does feel integrated. It's just a shame it's Huey based. But then, that's, yeah, if it that's were Yukon, it would avid. be be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, I would say the SSL is the best one for. You feel like you're on a console when you're in the Huey layer. That's the way I would put it. It's certainly popular, so that's mm. got to say something. Um, it's fantastic. Same question, I mean, Mike brilliant. T. You. I mean, what, what do you say? Well, the, the current setup I'm using pretty much, which is the SSL with the Huey layer for Pro Tools, 
Um, the only real things that I'm sort of using on a daily basis for that, it's got a sort of plug-in control section, but it, you know, it, I always find that a bit clunky to be honest. So I'm mm. sort of really just using faders um, for fader rides and a balance and the pan pots, which are great. And also, um, there's this nice thing you can do where you can uh, flip the faders on it for your sends, uh, which is is sometimes really cool. So I've got that. I've got my Stream Deck, which um, I use a lot when I'm editing because there's a bunch of sort of macros and things in there. But I've I've got a thing where um, I've got sort of a poor man's version of uh, Spill VCAs. I've, I've wanted the Spill VCA function for years, um, but I don't have an Avid control surface. So when they brought in folder tracks, it was brilliant. So across the top of my Stream Deck, there are eight buttons. And they're each um, set to a sort of a, a group or a folder that I generally use. So I've got drums, bass, guitar, strings, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I can be mixing, but if I want to get into details with anything, I can hit one of those and it brings those up on the, you know, starting on fader one on the uh, the SSL and I can hit it again and it takes me back to where I was. So that works well. Um, so do you use screen configurations for that? No, it's... Um, Soundflow is uh, it's way oh, yeah. more in depth than I'm. I, I basically nick people's presets Good. on there and in the forums because it's it's just really cool. It, it's a subscription thing, but it's you know, and I don't think there's anything in there or very little in there, in there that you couldn't sort of replicate right. with keyboard maestro. But it's just a time saver, you know. Mm. So that that works good. And then my outboard, I've got um, I've got a a decent number of channels of conversion, and I just sort of I, I've slim down the amount of outboard I've I've got over the last year or two just to things that I'm really using a lot. And those are all on the same insert every time that's delay compensated and I've got them lined up with tones. So if if I'd been doing a say a tracking session and then I've got a mix the following day, within about 20 minutes I can have everything patched. Um, I'm really only using if I'm using the the desk for summing I'm generally not using the EQs because, again, they take time to recall. So I can be sort of going within about 20 minutes. Um, and that's, you know, that that's pretty good for me. Yeah. That's it's interesting what you're saying about um, spill. There's a tutorial that I did years ago on the site about how to fake VCA spill using Pro mm. Tools. Because, yeah, I mean, I I was using... Uh, Is that with window configurations or... No, you or, don't need to go or, as far um, as that. Markers? No, no, no. All you need to do is... Um, yeah, well, I mean, if you like, yeah, um, uh, memory locations and just mm. using track show hides. And, uh, yeah, it works really well. Brilliant. I mean, it, it, the only thing is you do need to update everything if yes. you to make a change, but that's just, yeah, how it is. Um, Very cool. Right, well, what I want to talk about, and this is... This is actually working rather nicely just because uh, um, we seem to be kind of hinting towards the next question on previous answers. So uh, that uh, shows, <laughs> shows planning. Digital mixers are largely overlooked in, in studio music mixing, um, but they're kind of pretty sophisticated these days. When we talk about using a, a, a mixing console, almost invariably in studio world, we're talking about an analog console. So um, are we missing out, ignoring these these uh, digital consoles that are basically, I mean, completely pushed out analog consoles with a couple of you know, very occasional exception in in, uh, in live sound. What do we think? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Single word answers are fine. Yeah, no, I think I think we are. Um, I've, uh, as I alluded to earlier, if you've if you've had the opportunity to work on a even a um, a relatively cheap. A digital console that brings um, a channel strip up on knobs and switches onto the front panel, you'll realise how much you're missing out um, in terms of 
getting into EQing, compression, sends, returns, all that kind of stuff. Some of the more sophisticated digital consoles are just outlandishly good. Um, and I think I've, I think the only thing that is preventing consoles, uh, digital consoles, from really gaining traction in the studio for, for myself... Um, and I was thoroughly disappointed that um, when I found out the Studio One doesn't have preview and capture automation, because that's a massive part of my workflow. Yeah. Um, what they did with their Studio Live 64S, I think, is absolutely ludicrous. It's brilliant. It's a 64-channel mixer and a brilliant control surface tied in with their software. That's an integrated solution. And yet it just doesn't go quite far enough for me. Um, and I had this conversation with one of the live sound guys at Avid, and I said, your, your S6L is absolutely phenomenal. Why can't you put timecode-based automation on it? And there was a bit of a wink and a nod, and I can't re reply about the answer, because obviously it would take away from other sales. But, yeah, digital mixers are designed to get from A to B really quickly, and um, and I think the uh, the Avid range, the Digico range, um, they're the main two I've had dealings with. Um, I think they're fantastic, and it's just a lack of automation that that prevents me from having one. Mike T, are you are you up to speed with what's happening in? Uh... I, I'm, well, I'm I'm going to use the safe word here, which is I forget. Mike, was it bananas or aubergine? I'm <laughs> sure because I. <laughs> I've done very little live stuff where uh, where I, I guess that would predominantly be. So, uh, so I have to defer to Mike on that. Okay. I mean, I, I, I like the idea of the sort of digitally controlled analog, like the, mm. was it Euphonics? Euphonics. I was going to yeah. refer to Euphonics when I was, I was wondering if either of you were going to mention those. Well, I was. I've never used one. And, I was going to mention bit, Euphonics, because, you know. but it doesn't have door control. Right. There you go. <laughs> Is, there's that McDSP box, isn't there? Have you you've used that one, haven't you? APB sixteen. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's now. a plug-in box. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's right. basically an analog. It's it's almost like an analog. Um, I got told off by Ivy for saying it was like an analog UAD card, but it basically is. <laughs> I'm saying it it's, now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th th if you want to check out what's going on with um, mm. uh, with live sound mixes, I mean, it's something I keep an eye on just because mm. I used to do a lot of that stuff years ago, and I was I, I was working in that just when just when the the analog consoles were going out, people mm. were still using big you know heritage Midas heritage boards for 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 a couple of channels coming in, mm -hmm. but they needed a load of ways out and a matrix and stuff. And suddenly this thing that was kind of like, you know, a 16th of the size of it was mm -hmm. performing all those tasks way better. But check out the, the ones I'd have a look at is, is things like, I mean, the, the Avid stuff is awesome. Mm -hmm. Really, really good. Um, I was quite, I've, I've, I've yet to speak to one, anyone who's used one in anger, but I was quite impressed with the SSL one. I don't know if that's gained any traction. The Avid stuff looks like, I mean, the S6L looks like what the S6 want, wants to be. Frankly, I mean, it looks really convincing to me in terms of a piece of hardware. And Alan and Heath are local to me, and they're doing some lovely stuff now. Actually, it's, I'm, I'm... the um, are you talking about the SSL live or the yeah yeah? Um, the one thing with the SSL is that it is impossible to walk up to and operate. It's fantastic, sounds brilliant, and it's it's this wonderful sound. Is it pretty deep? With it, yeah, it's the type of thing that you you would use on a tour. 
because it's absolutely um, and you do all the pre-production and, yeah and get everything yeah. sorted exactly yeah. it's not a white um, glove board then it's not um i think the digico suffer a little bit from that i still think probably the best console for walking up to is the d show profile the old digidesign i one. agree actually yeah it's brilliant I, I, um, i've mixed on one of those without ever having seen one before and yeah it's fine and and I have to say, I mean, he's getting well. The company is is reviled, but the Behringer X32, they got that right. It's one of the best little consoles you can just walk up to. It's got one knob per function almost. I mean, yeah, we'll get lots of hate mail, but it's a great device. And when you when you go up to to one of those and you go, oh, I just need to turn up the gain on the microamp. Oh, I just need to put a bit more bottom end in. Those are the kinds of things that if it you do leave that you enough, guessing, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the the um, yeah. Uh, the one of the best things I've seen that we're starting to see on interfaces and all sorts of things these days is that I first saw on a Digico console was the kind of tap and twist interface where you've got a big, yeah. um, big touchscreen and you tap on a parameter and then there's just one dedicated encoder that you can change that with. So you, I want to change that twist, that twist, and you don't need to learn the layout of the of the yeah. surface until until you've got time to. You can work it without. Well, that's actually quite an interesting comment as well because. Um, I think I've heard plenty of um, production expert conversations about control surfaces, and I know Mike Thornton's quite vocal about he's, they don't make it any better for him. It just sits there. For his workflow, it doesn't work. But these are things that you need to invest time in. You do have to learn. Um, I've I spent a lot of time on my C24 doing custom plug-in maps so I could get my favourite SSL-style channels. How, how long is ones. it taking you to get really comfy with the S1s, Mike? Um, it was a it was about a week, a week of mixing, and I was going yeah. in and um, I was configuring soft keys, setting up custom um, soft key maps on the on the iPad, um, actually reconfiguring the keys on the the actual surfaces so that I've got some things now, even simple stuff like when I'm working with VCAs, just being able to hit select button and coalesce the VCA back to zero, doing trim automation, changing solo modes. All of these kinds of things are now a button press away for me. So I've turned it into something that I I can kind of operate, not with my eyes closed, but you know, it's near as damn it. Um, and it does take an investment in time, but then all consoles take an investment in time. I've just been through this with the S1, and mm. it had to sit next to me on the table being ignored for two weeks for me to feel yeah. bad enough about it to read the manual. Mm. Then an hour on the phone to Mike, and I was sorted. <laughs> so if anyone wants to do that, his number is 07653. <laughs> <laughs> the Reduction Expert Podcast is made possible using Source Connect Now from Source Elements, the free way to record high-quality audio over the internet. Need to record an interview or a podcast like this one remotely? With Source Connect Now, you can. Using a Chrome browser, you'll get ISDN equivalent quality audio without the need to install any additional software. Register for your free account at now.source-elements.com. Um, okay, so um, practical considerations aside, um, if you could have your ideal mixing environment in terms of you know control, um, what would it be like? Is there something that hasn't been invented yet that if you had that you'd swap from what you were currently doing to that or is it just a matter of if my pockets were deep enough i'd have this thing that's already there what what do you think i would say um i think ssl got it nearly right with their old axiom digital consoles um where they had um central they had like a, a bunch of uh, fader control 
Um, and then they had, per bucket of eight faders, they had a fat channel where they had all the compressor and um, EQ controls per bay of eight, and it was assignable. So it was effectively what people are doing now with digital consoles. I would want to have um, a system that the knob functions don't change I'd like some assignable knobs, but I'd like that to be my choice. Um, I kind of sound like Alan Partridge. <laughs> I'd like to put the sausage on one side and use it as a breakwater. Um, but I'd like I'd, I'd like to have EQ controls. Um, actually, the, um, the 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 D command used to do that, didn't it? That was it quite really good. Did, yeah. Um, so yeah, can we have an icon again? That would be great. I'd uh, D control icon- with, with the DSP channel G. Yes. Remember that. Exactly. So that the plug-in was the same as the hardware. Exactly. I, like I mean, that. even even <laughs> now, you see, you can call up FabFilters EQ3 or Q3, and you can call up the seven-band EQ preset, and it maps across the controllers. It gives you low uh, lows, low mids, high mids, and highs, and then you switch page, and it gives you the filters and the center frequency, uh, the center band, the mid band. So it is possible to to set this stuff up and for it to act like it. My real thing is, I'd like an S4 or an S6, please. But I'd like, I'd like, um, I'd like Pro Tools to not crash, and I'd like for the delay compensation to be a little bit less hokey. And um, and I'd like peace when, and happiness worldwide. Yeah, but this is the, this is a real downer with the um, with the control surface side of things. Is the more that you use DSP cards, the higher your delay compensation gets. And the latency between what you do on your fader and what comes out of the speakers gets greater. Oh, you can't say that. I was just going to say that. I was going to say well, op- option passing, H. Passing over to <laughs> Mike T, who's going to talk about compens- <laughs> delay compensation on uh, mixing. No, no, you, you, start, you started. You should finish. No, you um, <laughs> A complete pain in the ass because I'm on a DS. I'm on an HDX card, and um, yeah, it, it's so frustrating. Um, I was I. So much so, I was wondering if I'm just like missing a trick somewhere, because I'm I don't necessarily want to sort of render or commit everything mm. before I mix it. I might want to go in and change something. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm on a reasonably powerful computer, but there's there's so much stuff that I use that isn't DSP based. Um, that having to sort of go through, do a pass, remember which section you've just done, and then highlight it, highlight the automation. Hit, I think it's um. Option H, mm. you know, you you figure out what your system delay is and everything else. Bung that back is, you know, is a real pain in the ass. You can set that up as a macro. <laughs> I might, I might no, give you a call in a minute. Being, being flippant <laughs> about it, no, but the, but no, that's no, absolutely. That but would be you great. see, my yeah. my thing is, I've actually learned because I do, as I say, I use a lot of preview and capture and automation. Yeah. So I'll work in in sort of block blocks to kind of like the old SSL join mix stuff where you work forward through the mix and you go this is how I want it to sound for this part and I'll do the balance in preview um, and then I'll go back and I'll punch that preview in for you know maybe right to end or just for that section I've got used to punching in early I just I yeah. anticipate yeah. the system delay yeah. but one thing that I've noticed more and more is that, um, you know, up at Chenzo Townsend, he said, I can't actually, um, I can't use faders anymore because the delay compensation's so bad. And that to me is, I actually stopped using UAD on mix because I didn't want another round trip latency thing happening. Mm. Now, I still think 
the sounds I get. Well, my clients like it. I like what I'm doing. And I'll take that and use sort of standard, uh, really nice plugins like Sonox and FabFilter and DSP and, and GML, whoever. I'll take those plugins and use those if it keeps my system delay down or my latency down. So it's always a compromise. But if there was a digital mixer where everything was a fixed latency with automation, I'd just feed Pro Tools out into it and get on mixing. That's interesting what you say. I remember having a conversation. Um, uh, it, I was at Midas back when they were um, uh, when they were still independent, if you see mm. what I mean, and having a, having a chat with some of some of those guys, and um, they were talking about how the how the uh, the architecture works. And as I understood it, what they were saying was they'd worked out the maximum possible path length through the mixer. And that was fixed. Hmm. And then, if you introduced a process along the way, it was just taking away from uh, from uh, um, delay compensation that was already in place. Hmm. And that's why you could bring things in and out without dropping audio. Yeah, cool. and it's like that's cool. And because it was all being done properly, it was kind of you know that we weren't talking about significant amounts of latency. It was, hmm. it was very cool. There are ways around this stuff. Yes, but um, unfortunately, most of them involve not using a computer. So. Now, that is a bit of an issue, isn't it? Um, I think we need to, to wrap up, actually, and move on to Find of the Week. RSPE Audio Solutions design, sell, and install professional audio and video equipment. Their team are available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio to ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do to help, Reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. So, Mike, Mike, well, I, either Mike, Mike X, what have you got? Um, I've got something um, written by a uh, guy that I've come to know recently called Dan Corneff, and it's a plug-in called the Amplified Instrument Processor. And this thing is absolutely astonishingly good for um, doing uh, e basically shaping guitar and bass sounds. Um, I've written an article, which may have come out by the time this comes out, about guitar EQing and shaping. Um, and this thing is a one-stop shop. There are, there are a few... I, I always think you can get away with, um, with using stock plugins and get from A to B, but this thing is so elegant. It's got um, resonant frequency reduction he, he calls it quite an interesting name i think it's the um it's something uh, the insufferable mid-range filter um <laughs> which is brilliant um he's got a couple of processes in there which are uh, different types of saturation he's got eq compression and this plugin just does it all and it sounds fantastic so uh it's it's just my go-to now for anything guitar that needs sorting out it's brilliant sounds awesome uh, mike t what about you yeah, mine is a, a Soundflow um, package by um, Andrew Sheps, and it's free if you subscribe to Soundflow. And it's, I think it's called Melodyne Helper. Um, and what does it switch it off? <laughs> it does switch it off eventually. <laughs> Basically, you select any tracks that you want to use Melodyne on, um, hit this button, and it, it moves anything that's in the first insert slot um, out of the way, puts Melodyne on it. It then loads all the audio data in by basically committing each track so you don't have to play it through in real time. It then, um, uh, you, you do your editing and everything, you hit the commit button and it will sort of render that, make the original track 
or tracks. Um, it'll hide them and it make them inactive. And it's just great. And there's there's so many little things like that in Soundflow, but this particular one is is great because there are joking aside, there are times when you you have to dig in and do that stuff. And just it's one of those. I'm terrible at procrastinating, and it's one of those things that you know just saves a ton of time because actually go and do the stuff. That's that, that's actually quite interesting from the point of view of it scoots the other plugins down because I've I've been having to do some stuff on mm. Logic recently and. Um, uh, a massively missing feature from Pro Tools is the ability to put something above another plugin and get the others to shuffle down. Logic does it. I don't know about the right. other doors. Right. Um, it's a really irritating thing. So yeah, that just even having a script that does that would be awesome. Yeah. Well, it's on there. You can probably mm. go in and um, I don't think you even have to subscribe to go and view it. You can just go to the Soundflow site. It's awesome. What's, what's yours, yours, Julian? <laughs> A pair of mics. <laughs> <laughs> a stereo pair. Good grief. Um, well, I mean, that's kind of linked to that. Mine is oh. The Microphone Book by John Urgel. Um, I, I wrote a piece, uh, I don't know, last week, week before, something like that, um, uh, about uh, some Townsend Labs models. And uh, I was doing a bit of research into, uh, into various mi- microphones. And at some point, I had to condense into a couple of sentences what variable D does on the RE20 and, you know, those that electro-voice thing. Mm. And um, I went, oh, uh, I've got a vague understanding of how it works, but um, I better actually do some proper research. And I own this book. And I looked it up and it explained all of it. And like all amazing ideas, engineers do amaze me. I mean, like proper engineers who kind of like make stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, this has been around f- all, all the most innovative ideas have been around forever. They really have, and same with Variable D. But anyway, it's, a, it's not a lightweight book. This is not a kind of, you know, a, a, um, a, some coffee table thing full of pictures of desirable microphones. This is this is proper how stuff works. But I like that, so it's a great mm. book, and that's what mine is. Well, that's all we've got time for this week, so thanks to my guests, Mike Exeter and Mike Thorne. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Production Expert Podcast.